So if you'd open up your Bibles with me, I have been so excited about this series called Culture, uh, Culture Shock. Uh, we're starting this series, Culture Shock, today. And for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at this series, and we're going to be looking at this issue of, of how to live in a community, how to live in a culture when it seems like Christians are being marginalized, or it seems like Christians are being shoved to the, to the margins of society. And so we're calling this, this, this series Culture Shock. And so today, uh, the topic of this sermon, the title of this sermon is, is, is Homeland Security. In other words, that you and I have to know where our security is. We've always already worshipped to some of that, and we've, we, we've sung to some of that, and we've proclaimed some of that. But for us to know that where is our security? And so we're going to begin looking at, and Simon Peter's going to help us, and we're also going to draw from the book of Daniel in the next five weeks of how do Christians navigate through a culture and through times like us when, quite honestly, we've had some culture shock. You know, I, I, uh, I could tell you story after story, newspaper article after newspaper article of some of the marginalization of Christians. We've all heard it. We've all seen it. And so fact is, before the, uh, the Saturday night service, I decided, I said, I wonder how many cases are out there. I wonder how many are reported. And so I, I asked the Google. And so I, I went to the Google. And I asked the Google, I said, about this issue of Christianity and Christians being marginalized. And so many hits came up, I couldn't even give you all the stories. There's one story about a young girl, she's a middle school student in her, in her school, and she wanted to host their first See at the Pole rally. In case you're not familiar with that, a See at the Pole rally is a spiritual event where you invite kids and, and, and teachers, some teachers attend as well, to, to, to co go to the... the, the, the the flagpole before school starts, and just gather and, and just have a prayer. And so she did what the district required, what her school required. She, she made up a flyer. She printed off a flyer. She submitted it to the school administration for approval, and they, they turned it down. And they turned it down because of on the flyer she had used the name Jesus Christ and she used a scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so as a result of that, they said that was offensive, and, that, that, and so they, they didn't allow it. And so this article that I was reading from the Google uh, said that, that, that they, they also produced the flyers that the district had approved. And the latest approval uh, uh, event that they approved, the latest flyer that they had approved, was for a Lil Wayne concert. And Lil Wayne's flyer promoted weed and alcohol. And so that was okay. So I guess weed and alcohol is okay, but Jesus, not okay. We so we all hear those stories, right? And one, one of the ones that made me laugh was this, was one school district's Christmas this last year. They were doing some sort of Christmas production. And so school district told them, well, it's okay if you sing that song, Silent Night, but you just have to remove all the religious overtones. I'm like, what's left? <laughs> what they do, like hum it? I mean, I don't, I don't even know. And so, so there, there's a point that we get to in America when we read these stories, we hear these stories, and we just really wonder, are we still one nation under God? Are we one nation over God? And so these are the things over the course of the next four, five weeks that I want to talk to you about. It reminds me of a story. It was a period of, of, of Brittany's life. Brittany is my oldest daughter, or actually Caroline's oldest daughter. And, uh, and when she was 14 years old, uh, we took our kids to an Acquire the Fire event in, um, in Denver. Uh, Brittany, at 14 years of age, she had just turned 14. She responds to their altar call uh, for uh, committed her life to short-term missions. And, uh, and so she came back, and we had all these conversations. She barely met the age requirement. 
And, and Brittany wanted to go to the Dominican Republic with a group that, that we really didn't know. They weren't a part of our church, and Brittany really preferred that because uh, she didn't want to be a pastor's kid on a mission trip and some other things. And so, and so she wanted to go. And so Karen and I, we prayed about it, and, and it, it was hard at 14 years of age, but we, but we let her go, and we sent her. We helped her raise money. And, and, but when we took her to, to Garden, I think it was Garden, Texas, is where Acquire the Fire is where their head office was, and they were going to train their kids and send them out is I still remember that trip down to Texas and, and we, had, we had Brittany in the car and, and, and I just felt as a dad that I needed to, to prepare her for what she was going to experience. And so she's going to the Dominican Republic and I began to tell her because I've done missions there, this is what the people are like, this is what the culture's like, uh, this, this, is, this is some of the customs. And, and so I, because I didn't want her to be caught off guard because that was not her home and I didn't want her to be caught off guard with like this culture shock that many missionaries talk about. And so I told her, I said, honey, it's, you're, you're going you're gonna to get homesick. You're going to miss home, and, and that's okay. Just remember it's, it's temporary. And so when you, when you know that it's temporary, Brittany, you, you can be joyful, and you can make the most of your time while you're there. And just over and over and over, I reminded her of a couple of things. The first one is this. I said, Brittany, do not lose your passport. Honey, whatever you do, do not lose your passport. I know you're 14 years old. Do not lose your passport. See, your passport is a reminder that you are not of that country. Your passport is a reminder where your, where your, where your citizenship is. It's a reminder to you. And, and guess what? Your passport is also the thing that allows you to, to get home. So whatever you do, do not lose your passport. And the second thing is this, Brittany, whatever you do, stay with the group. Just please promise me you'll stay with the group. Stay with the leader. Stay with the group. You guys need each other. You don't know the culture. You don't know the customs. You don't know the safe places, and you don't know the unsafe places. And so do not try to go this alone. Please stay with the group. And I was trying to help her to understand how to live in a culture that is not hers. And I realized as I was preparing these messages, the same conversation that I had with Brittany is the same conversation we're going to have over the next four weeks or the next five weeks, that these conversations are very similar. You see, Simon Peter is, reading, is writing to a group of Christians, and he's writing to a group of Christians that are about ready to experience persecution for the very first time. And he's writing to these Christians, and he's telling them words, the same kind of words that I used with Brittany, that you're exiles, you're foreigners, you're strangers in a, in a strange land, and that is not your home. You see, it seems that when I have conversations with Christians that I talk to more and more Christians and they're talking about this issue of just culture shock when they, they see some things that go on in our nation, they see some things that go on in our country. And as a result of that, they seem mad and upset and afraid and they, they focus on, on, on some of the changes that are, that are being made in our country. And that's why that this, I believe this series is just so relevant. And sometimes I just got to tell you, sometimes I'm just so concerned about some of the responses that Christians have on social media. And I'm like, don't post that. Oh, you posted that. I cannot believe you just posted that. And as Christians, we need to know how to address a culture. We need to know how to address a culture where it feels like that we're being marginalized and it seems like we're being pushed into the margins of society. And Simon Peter is writing to these Christians and they're, they're, for the very first time they're experiencing uh, persecution and unfortunately it's going to get much worse for them. Unfortunately it's going to go from bad to worse. See Nero had just taken, Nero had just taken power and he started the early stages of persecution and all of a sudden Simon Peter feels led of God to start writing to Christians about how to live out 
their faith in a culture that God has placed them. And this helps us to understand how do we respond in our culture in our time. Today, I only have two points for you. Uh, um, well, actually, I have two points and a bunch of sub-points. I really have ten points, but that's just preacher talk. <laughs> I just got two points for you. So, so I got two points. Uh, what are the stages of persecution? Because I think we need to understand that because it's going to help us as we walk through this, this, this series together. And then, how do we respond? Simon Peter was helping how to respond. So what are the stages of persecution? Listen, I know this makes my break seem boring to you or my vacation seem boring to you, uh, but on my vacation I read the two-volume uh, book, uh, the, uh, the Story of Christianity, which is a classic work all the way from the book of Acts all the way till now. And there's a man by the name of Charles Poe out of Washington, D.C., who has done a lot of work, and he's chronicled um, the persecution of Christians from the book of Acts till now, historically speaking. And so I want to walk you through the, just the five stages of persecution so you're able to recognize those. Okay, so the first stage of per persecution is this, is stereotyping. The first stage of pers persecution, it always starts with, this is what's happening in First Peter. So it always starts with, per with, with stereotyping. This happens when a description of a few gets used to describe an entire group. And then it gets repeated again and again and over and over. So Christians in persecution and stereotyping, all of a sudden, a description of a few. Those that are boycotting, those that are protesting, those that are, are, are hanging signs and all that other stuff. A description of a few begins to get used for the entire group. In other words, they're hypocrites, they're boring, they're angry, they're sad, they're judgmental. All of those words, that is stereotyping. And then stereotyping moves to the second stage of persecution, which is this, vilifying. Vilifying is a second stage of, of persecution. This is, this is what happens in any culture when Christians don't line up with the culture, when Christians don't line up with what is culturally accepted, then they will be vilified. In other words, that the, 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 the community, the culture, will use words about Christians to describe them in a way that indicates that they are taking people's human dignity away. They're closed-minded. They're intolerant. They're bigoted. They're hateful. They're homophobic. You, see, you, you can see the progression, right? You can see the progression from stereotyping to, uh, to vilifying. See, vilifying, you, just so we're all tracking, vilifying is used as a way to help people feel better about not liking a particular group of people. Because after all, that group of people is taking the human dignity away from a group of people. It's like, it's like hate. It's like hate speech. Um, it, it helps people. Listen, it, it, vilifying helps people justify being intolerant to a group of people. So they're stereotyping. There's vilifying. And the third stage is marginalizing. Marginalizing is the third stage of this issue of persecution. And, and, and this is what we're seeing more and more of. We've already walked through the first two stages. We're seeing this more and more of in, in our culture. And so after establishing Christians into stereotypes and then they vilify them, then, then what happens is they want to move Christians to the margins of society. And so they say things like, you know what, you can have your freedom of religion, you can have your freedom of worship, 
as long as you only exercise that for one hour on the weekend inside your four walls. But you cannot bring your Christianity, you cannot bring that out into the public square. I mean, when you really look at it and you start looking at research, Christians are being excluded from places of influence and power right now uh, in business, in schools, in media, and in politics. We've heard in the last days, we've heard politicians, we've heard pol uh, uh, celebrities say things like Christians should not be allowed in, in public office, they should not be allowed to run for office because they put, they put God ahead of their constituents, they put God ahead of everyone else. It's becoming more and more unacceptable to talk about your faith in, in public, right? Uh, right before John Madden retired from, uh, from broadcasting, he's sitting alongside Al Michaels. It was right after, I just remember that, it was right after a big win. I honestly don't remember the team. I don't remember the player's name, but they did one of those on-the-field interviews. And so they cut to the reporter on the field, and they asked the, the sports star a question. And he says, before I answer that, I would like to give praise and honor and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, who gave me the strength to do this and then he went on and, and it was very respectful and you could hear John Madden sigh you know you could hear he was unhappy and they cut back to John Madden John Madden says you know what that just makes me angry when they bring Christianity into the the sports world uh, the sports world has no place for religion and the NFL should outlaw the players from kneeling and praying after a game and they should outlaw any references to their faith in Christianity see in, in our country culture right now Christians are being marginalized more and more and so it becomes very unacceptable unacceptable to mention your religion and it becomes intolerable to mention the name of Jesus Christ in public unless of course you want to mention his name as a cuss word then it's okay so we've seen the huge mar marginalization of Christians in our culture the fourth stage of, of persecution just historically speaking is criminalization or criminalizing the fourth stage is criminalizing and sometimes these steps move very quick quickly where all of a sudden you became lawsuits and legislations directed against churches and directed against Christians so practicing your faith outside of the four walls outside of a worship service uh, practicing your faith in the public square uh, can turn into a lawsuit and we've watched it and they, they can shut your business down because they vilified you because you're taking someone's human dignity away as a result of that it justifies them in their minds being intolerant to a group of people and so that's the that's marginalizing that's when they marginalize Christians and so the fourth stage or the fifth stage is the last stage and it's full-blown persecution where there's fines loss of property loss of jobs jail time and in some places in some parts of our world it means death whether we watched a, a YouTube video of ISIS taking Christians and, and lighting them on fire and, and, and then editing and sensationalizing the video like it's some Hollywood production, or ISIS marching a bunch of Christians to the, the shores of a beach and laying their heads over a sword as those Christians are singing praise and worship songs in their language. We've witnessed that, right? And so, so those are the five stages of persecution. And I want to spend the rest of the time just answering a question for you. Well, how do Christians respond? I mean, that's really what brings me to this series. Uh, it was really what 
I feel that God has led me, the reason this series is just so relevant, is answering that question out of the book of 1 Peter about how do we respond. Because when I talk to Christians, there's just a tendency for Christians to feel discouraged or defeated. But what I want to talk to you about in this series is, is listen, don't be discouraged, don't be defeated. This is an incredible opportunity for the church. And this is, this is an incredible opportunity for the gospel because just historically speaking, biblically speaking, the gospel spreads at a rapid rate in these moments in a culture. See, Western culture minds, see, there's a sense in Western culture minds that we have to, that the church has the greatest opportunity to spread the gospel when we're carrying the mantle of power. But that's not the case biblically, and that's not the case historically. Historically, Christianity does not do well in a culture when they carry the mantle of power. Fact is, the kingdom of God moves forcefully and is forcefully advanced when it's not carrying the mantle of power. Because when it's not carrying the mantle of power, it gives us the ability to communicate the core elements of our faith. What it means to love those who persecute you. What it means to bless those who insult you. What it means to serve a community that's trying to marginalize you and trying to kick you to the margins of society. What it means to have forgiveness and what it means to have generosity with your resources and what it means to have love and what it means to have forgiveness. Listen, some of us, we have been praying for revival in our country, right? And all of a sudden we start looking at the news and we start looking at Supreme Court decisions and we start looking at Senate votes and all this other stuff and we feel like, oh no, We're not going to have revival. We're taking two steps back. But historically speaking, we are being positioned to have an opportunity to expand the gospel in the U.S. and in our country like never before. See, Simon Peter is trying to convince these Christians. He's trying to convince us that God is giving you and God is giving us a wonderful opportunity. And, And Simon Peter is trying to remind them and he's trying to remind us Don't forget you have homeland security. This is not your home. You're exiles. You're foreigners in a strange land. And we, as believers, we have homeland security. We have a reservation that is being kept in heaven for us that will not spoil, fade, tarnish, but it's being kept for us. And so Simon Peter wants us to respond in such a way in the same spirit that that God would have us respond. But he wants us to remember three things. Something past, something present, and something future. The first thing is this. He wants us to remember. He wants us to remember that God has chosen you. He wants us to remember that God has chosen you. 1 Peter 1, 1 and verse 2. Here's what the scripture says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles. That's such an interesting term. And we're going to understand what that means. Elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, capital S, 
Far obedience to Jesus Christ and far sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. You know what Simon Peter does with this group of Christians that are going through home, uh, through, through culture shock? He reminds them of their homeland security. He reminds them the, this. He starts talking identity words. He starts helping them understand where their identity is. And he starts helping them understand your elect exiles. This is not your home. Your security is not in America. Your security is not in your culture. Your security is in heaven. He's saying, listen, guys, your salvation is not by accident. God chose you long before the creation of the world. He chose you before you chose him. In fact, is the good news version renders that verse this way. And it says, you were chosen according to the purpose of God. And there's a tendency for believers, for some reason, when they go through trial, when they go through hardship, when they go through difficult they start asking questions. Does God, does God even see what's going on? Does God even know what I'm going through? Does God even see the, what's, what's happening in our country? Does, does, I, see, it concerns me so much that many Christians, I believe, have come to the place in their life to where they believe that being a Christian exempts you from problems. We find the opposite in Scripture. Actually, what we find in Scripture, we find in Scripture that being a Christian doesn't exempt you from problems. Actually, sometimes it compounds your problems. This is why Jesus in John chapter 14, before he went away, don't be surprised when they hate you, they're going to hate me. Don't be surprised when these things happen to you. And the reason that I go away, I go away. What? To prepare a place for you, a room for you. In other words, he was trying to help them understand their homeland security. Listen, that word exile in the, in the Greek, you know what that word means? Someone who is just passing through. Simon Peter is trying to get them to understand that, you know what? You're just passing through. This isn't your home. I mean, you, this isn't where your security is. He goes on, verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to, according to what? According to you earned it, according to you deserved it, according to you le lived a perfect life, according to you worked hard enough, according to you being able to obtain it. No, watch this. According to what? According to his mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, what he's trying to get, it was his mercy. What he's trying to get is his mercy. It wasn't by your performance. It wasn't by some religious thing that you did. It wasn't because you deserved it or you earned it. it listen, it was by God's grace and God's mercy that he invited us into his family. And just as he chose you before you chose him, he chose you. He purposed you to live in a culture. He lived in such a time as this. And he wants you to know this today. And that's what Simon Peter is trying to get them to understand. That regardless of what you walk through, regardless of what I walk through, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be with you. Nothing you can do or someone else can do to can get him to remove his love from you. So the first thing that Simon Peter encourages him to remember is something in the past. The second thing he encourages him to remember is something that's, that's happening now. And that is this. God is working in my life. God is working in your life and God is working in my life. And, 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 and he just wants him to remember, guys, God's working in your life. And not only does God cho choose you to be a part of his family, but God begins to work in your life. And he, he even works in your life when you're going through problems. Even though you don't feel it, and even though you feel like God's a million miles away, or you may feel like all alone here this morning, I'm telling you, 
God is working in your life right now. He's working in your life right now. He has brought you to this service. He has brought you to this time for a reason and for a purpose. That's, that's why he said, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. In other words, you know what he's telling us? God does two things in your life. He cleanses you and he changes you. That's what he's saying. And sanctification is becoming more like Christ. He cleanses you. He forgives you of your sin when you choose him. And he begins to change you. And he goes on, he says, for the obedience to Jesus Christ, for the sprinkling with his blood. That may be the most important statement of all in verse 2. And may grace and peace be multiplied to you. You know what, he, you know what Simon Peter is doing? He said, guys, you have home, homeland security. The reason you have homeland security is because of the continual sprinkling of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ in your life. See in the Greek. The Greek, some words can have three tenses, past, present, future. In other words, it has past in, uh, uh, implication, it has present tense implication, it has future tense. This is one of those words. That you are being, listen, you figuratively are being continually sprinkled with his blood for the continual remission and forgiveness of sin. That's why we will never quit talking about and we will never quit singing about his blood. Because we are being continually sprinkled by his blood for the forgiveness of sin and so that we have his righteousness and we can come into the presence of God, verse 6, and he says, because of this, in this, you rejoice that now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved for various trials. In other words, he used that phrase, little while. In other words, this is not your home. You're just, you're just someone passing through. And when it's a lot like what I told Brittany. When you experience trials, you might be a little homesick. And that is okay. But you can be glad and you can rejoice. Because your time here is short. And you might as well have joy. And you might as well make the most of your time here. Because your time is short. One of the things that I talked about, Brittany, and I actually worried about, because she was only 14 going on this mission trip, I knew there would be boys on this mission trip, uh, was these, like, mission trip romances, right? Because I don't know what it, anyway, I don't even want to talk about that. Because I didn't want her to have to come, I didn't want her to come back from a mission trip in love. And I had to explain to her why that is not God's will for her life. And so, but, but she meets a boy. So she meets a boy on this trip. And so one of the things, just a little bit backstory, one of the things in, in the Dominican Republic, uh, goat meat was a very special meal. And so, but when they pre pre prepare goat meat, they didn't waste any time about taking the hair off the meat. So they prepare the goat meat with the hair on it. And so Brittany thought it was so funny. I mean, she's, she's coming back. We're driving back from Denver. We picked her up. And she's, oh, and this boy was so sweet. Uh, he would take my goat meat, and he would pick the hair off of it because he knew it grossed me out. And I go, yeah, that's love. And so... <laughs> so... So you know why she thought that was funny? Hair on her goat meat. It wasn't her home. It was temporary. If that had to happen in our house, would not be laughing. There'd be like no laughter, right? That's her home. See, the reason she understood, she got it. I'm, this isn't my home. 
And listen, let me tell you something. When you go through trials, when you go through pain, I'm just telling you, based upon God's word, God is working in your life. And you may ask how, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, th- uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what Simon Peter tells us? The, the purpose of your problems. Listen, this is one of the things that differentiates differentiates us makes us different (laughs) than non-christians non-believers is our problems have purpose and the purpose of your problems is to refine you the purpose of your problems is to test your faith and to refine you the same way that you refine gold right you put it under pressure you heat it up the dross comes to the surface you rake the dross off and before long you have you have pure gold and that's what simon peter is saying here that when you go through problems and when you go through difficulty, take joy. God is working in your life. He's developing you. Even if you have a problem that lasts your entire life, that you have to deal with your entire life, when you put it in light of eternity, it's like, it's like a snap. It doesn't happen long, and so God is testing and refining your faith. And let me ask you, are you feeling the heat these days? Are you feeling the pressures on? then can I just tell you this? God's working in your life. He's testing your faith. He's strengthening it. Listen, we have this confidence, and just write this down. We don't have time to talk about it. And just for free, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God may push you to the limit, but he'll never push you over the limit. That's from God's word. That's his promise. He may push you to the limit. He'll never push you over. He'll always give you a way of escape. Listen, let me just tell you, just so we're tracking about this issue of, of problems. Those who walk away from God... In anger, in disillusionment, in the midst of suffering, or in the midst of problems, never do so because the test was too hard. They do so because their faith was not genuine. So as Simon Peter says, problems, to test and refine your faith. The last thing that Simon Peter wants us to remember is this. He wants to remember our homeland security. Uh, That's the future. God has secured my future. Verse 4, to an inheritance. He's talking about homeland security right now. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for for you. You are God's son and daughter. And listen, I'm telling you, you have an inheritance in heaven that is waiting for you. And it is not kept by you. It is kept by him. And when things get a little tough in our culture, when things get a little tough around here, it's okay to feel a little homesick. But Peter just said, just remember, you have a reservation. We were off for four weeks and three weeks. We were here and the fourth week we we traveled. And I never worried when we traveled that I wouldn't have a room, I wouldn't have a bed to sleep in, I wouldn't have a place to stay whenever we traveled because I had a reservation. And I had a confirmation number, and I had a 1-800 number in case things were, weren't up to my satisfaction to call. And so I never fretted, I never worried that we wouldn't have a place to stay. And Simon Peter is trying to help us to understand this is not our home, and we're just passing through. And we have a reservation that cannot be canceled, that cannot be taken away, that is waiting for us. And as a result of that, we have homeland security. And so we respond to a culture, not out of anger, but we respond to a culture with a right heart. Even though we're homesick, we're secure.
Don't miss the struggles and the challenges of this life. But just remember, this world is not your home. And we're here for a short time. And why don't we have joy? And why don't we allow our light to shine? Because we have a hope that cannot be touched. God has secured my future, not an economy, not a government, not a political party, not a Supreme Court, and not popular opinion. We as Christians must look awfully shallow to a world to hear us worshiping our God and talking about our great, great God. And then we lose our minds when things don't go the way we think they should go, as if God is no longer on his throne and he no longer has any power. And some of you in these days may need to be okay with the fact that that people are not going to like you. And that's okay, because we're not junior hires anymore. <laughs> Fact is, the Bible says it's not a good thing when everybody speaks well of you, that you may be a false prophet. The Bible says that we should be worried when everybody speaks well of us. And as a church, we will have plenty of people that will try to stereotype us, vilify us, marginalize us we've had that honestly and we'll continue to have that and just based upon some of the emails and conversations I've had with some of you I know some of you um, this concerns you greatly about being a part of a church where this happens but you know what should concern you more being a part of a church where this doesn't happen so we just need to let go of the idea that our happiness is based upon everybody else's approval of us, that if you believe in the Bible, and if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ, some people will not like you. Fact is, not everybody's going to like us. But we can still love them. We can still minister to them. What a story when we minister to a community where we're not popular. So let's be the type of Christians where our hope doesn't rise and fall on every election, every Senate vote, every Supreme Court decision. Let, let's don't be those Christians that seem that we have more confidence in the Supreme Court than the Supreme Being. You may feel a little homesick, and that's okay, when these decisions are handed down. It's supposed to be that way. This is not your home. But you'll be home soon. The trip is short. Can I encourage you the same things I encouraged Brittany? Don't forget your passport. Remember where your citizenship is. And let's stick together. Don't try to go this alone. We need each other. That's what the book of Hebrews encouraged us, that we need to start meeting together more and more instead of the abandoning the community of believers. We need each other. And then let's reach this community for Christ and let's expand the gospel in the days where God has called us to follow him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe more importantly, what is your next step? Because every one of us has a next step. 
But what is your next effort? Are you a citizen of, of heaven? I've talked a lot about that a lot, about this issue of homeland security. Do you have homeland security? Do you know that you know that you know that you're like this citizen of heaven? That you've come to the place in your life where you placed your trust and your faith in him? And that your life radically changed and it changed and you became a follower of Christ? Man, if you haven't done that, this would be the morning to do that. To where you know that you know. That you have a reservation in heaven. Cannot be defiled. Cannot be taken away from you and cannot be tarnished. Maybe you're here this morning and you know it, you just have to be reminded as a believer, this is not your home. And it's okay to feel homesick. And it just reminds you that our stay here is temporary. So let's live radical lives for Him. Let's just follow Him. Let's declare the same things in the world that we declare in here together. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I, and I'm going through a trial. I, 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 I'm carrying a burden. I, I got a prayer request. We want to pray for you. We really do. So as soon as I pray, we're going to stand. And when, I, when we stand... If you need prayer in any area, I mean, we, we just need each other. And if you need someone to pray for you, if you need someone to add their faith to your faith, then I'm just going to invite you. That if you're carrying a burden, that as you stand up in just a few moments after I pray, that you make your way down front. You don't have to walk along. People are walking with you. And you allow us to minister to you. This is a point in the service where we minister one to another, and we'd love to minister to you if you're carrying a burden. Father, we thank you for your love and we just thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your word and just the power of your name. Father, we thank you that we as believers can have homeland security, that we have a re reservation in heaven. And this is not our home. We're just passing through. And we want to take as many people as possible with us to heaven. Give us that boldness. Give us that strength. Give us that courage. And Father, for those that are walking through a trial or carrying a burden, may they just respond to you. This is the easiest place they'll ever have to respond. May they just respond to you. People are praying for them right now. May they just respond to you. And may burdens be lifted. May prayers be answered. May people know they've come into the presence of God. And because of that, their lives have changed. Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.